Hello and welcome to Art Witch, the podcast where creativity, magic, and healing align for personal and collective liberation. I'm your host, Zanetta, and welcome. Art Witch aims to provide resources for creative empowerment, helping folks make and share their art and also find their authentic expression. In this podcast, you'll hear from a variety of artists, witches, and healers, as well as experts in various art industries and related fields, all with the intention of helping folks share their art and their unique magic with the world. everyone and welcome back. It's so wonderful to be with you all and to gather in this podcast space. My name is Zanetta for those of you who are unfamiliar with the podcast and are a new listener. Thanks so much for tuning in. It has been a couple of lunar cycles since I last recorded an episode and I want to say thank you to all the really sweet messages and all sorts of stuff that kind of came through, everyone who kind of sent me a lot of love and support during this lunar cycle. I was actually very, very ill and could not actually record an episode at all because my voice was too weak and I was really, really struggling. So it's amazing. Actually, it's kind of a miracle to be here right now and to be able to record this episode. This episode actually marks the two-year anniversary, basically, of the Art Witch podcast. I think we came out in maybe the second week of October back in 2020. And since then, we have had, oh, golly, like 30-ish episodes here on the podcast. So for those of you who have been listening and have been a part of this journey, thanks so much. I really, really appreciate it. With that, there are going to be some readings that are opening up. I'm opening up my schedule this month for Creative Liberation Tarot Readings. I am kind of hoping to do a few on Samhain, aka Halloween, or if you celebrate Undas, or if you celebrate All Saints, or Souls Day. I am going to be doing some readings on that day. I'm really, really excited. The ancestors are a really wonderful part of our creative journey, and it's really awesome to be able to kind of have this time, this really intentional time with them to source their insights and their messages. They're always available, but I do feel like there's something really, really sacred about this time of year and how we can get the support of a collective understanding that energetically, this is the time when we are really, really ripe and available to the ancestors. So I'm going to be doing some of these readings on actual Halloween, but I'm going to open up a lot of availability this month and next month. So you will see those available. And I always have sliding scale spots for folks who are two-spirit LGBTQIA+, for folks who are BIPOC, for folks who are chronically ill. Yes, I always have sliding scale spots available. So please, please feel free to reach out to me if you would like to be a part of that. This lunar cycle kind of brings us into Black History Month. And a really wonderful friend of mine, Shauna Bryant, is putting on a breathwork summit that features Black breath workers. So it's called Breathe in Black. And that's happening October 20th through the 23rd. And I want to talk just for a moment about breathwork and why I think it's really interesting, especially just as those of us who are experimenting and trying different kind of modalities and things like that in this community. Breathwork is something that we kind of always have access to, with the exception of having, you know, some serious like respiratory issues or things like that, which I have been through a lot recently. But 
breath is so, so foundational. (laughs) It's just so foundational to the practice of magic. It's so foundational to being able to tune into the present moment and be available to what spirit wants to collaborate with you on, what you want to create in, to be very firmly rooted in your process. Breath is so, so important. So breath work is a modality that I think is really, really interesting to explore. And Shauna has assembled an amazing group of Black breath workers who are coming together and offering their perspectives and their ways of facilitating breath work. So it's really, really incredible. It's really awesome. I don't know of anyone else who's doing anything like this. So I'm going to leave a link in the description below. I am not getting any kind of affiliate or kickback stuff from this. I just think it's a really awesome event. And if you've ever wanted to try breath work or you're into breath work, then this might be a really wonderful time for you to explore that. The other thing I want to invite you into is if you would like to support this podcast and support my work, then please check out the Patreon space. I post some things in there and honestly, it's really just a space that people have been really helping me to continue this work, especially as I've been ill and especially as I've been able to kind of cover the costs of doing this work and also covering the costs of like research and things like that. It's just wonderful. And there are a lot of different interviews that I'm going to be putting out this month. I'm really excited. There are a couple that I've been kind of waiting to release as I've been feeling better and feeling up to editing. But if you would like to show a little love, that is a sliding scale space and you can donate any amount that you want. There's no commitment or anything like that. And yeah, it would be wonderful to be in community with you on that space. So without further ado, I am going to get into today's reading. So today I'm going to be releasing this on the new moon in Libra. It also is when Rosh Hashanah begins. So Shana Tova to all my friends who celebrate. Happy New Year. Today, Sunday, September 25th, we have the new moon in Libra. And this new moon sees us through and kind of travels (laughs) through October 9th, the full moon in Aries, and it ends October 24th, right before October 25th, the new moon in Scorpio. We recently had the fall equinox, or as some folks like to celebrate, Mabin, on September 21st. So... We're in a very, very, I want to say, a transitional space and time, right? Something is ending, something is beginning. There's kind of a change, a change of the guard, so to speak, a change of seasons. Though I don't really subscribe to any kind of colonial power or governance, you know, literally the queen died. So it's like there's a lot of shit that's basically being on earth and also changing over. And the summer was very, very, let's say, extensive. The summer had so, so much to it. And I know we don't all celebrate the same seasons at the same times, and you might have even more nuanced seasons wherever you are. But I want you to just reflect for a moment on how the transition from, say, August to September, and then September into October is just really, really articulated. It's not just that we see them like we see the seasons changing and it's like I see this object over there and it's transitioning but it is so remarkably impactful on us that it's easy to take for granted that that shift is a shift that we're living not a shift that we're witnessing it's experiential shifting and that experiential shift is something that we 
have to hold some space for, have to give some compassion towards. If you can understand how much energy it takes for and how much energy shifting it takes, let's say that, a shifting of gears almost, that it takes for a tree to lose its chlorophyll and start to channel its energy down towards the roots rather than towards the leaves. All this kind of downshifting is occurring, right? And it happens pretty fast. As soon as the temperatures change, as soon as things start to cool down, that shift is really, really in process. And so I bring this up because I think one of the things that this reading today wants to share is that you are a living experience. You are a living embodiment of the season shifting. (laughs) You are this transformational piece of work that is existing in time and space and in community. And that's just not something to be made light of. (laughs) It's not small. It takes a lot for us to be shifting that way. And there's some fortitude or I want to say some boundaries that need to occur to support oneself as we're shifting into a different energetic way of being. So with, say, the summertime, (laughs) with, say, a season that is so effusive, that is so outwardly illuminated, that is so, I want to say, expressive, externalized, the energy is radiating, essentially. You are radiant in this experience. But when we start to shift into these seasons like fall and into winter, and I know many people are going to be like, oh my God, Zanetta, do not talk about winter yet. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) I don't mean to trigger anyone with talks of winter, but when we are starting to shift, the way that we are also shifts in a sense. We don't have as much energy maybe to just throw out into the field. Maybe we don't have as much energy to just keep sending out. I think a lot of that kind of externalized, expressive ways of sending out energy, you know, like When it's summer, everything is doing that. You're energized by all the blossoms, all the leaves, all the singing of all the animals, just all the movement and the life and the vitality that surrounds you. But as things start to settle down, birds migrate, things are changing. The way that we work with our energy, we need to be aware of it and understand that we may be adjusting accordingly. So the first card that comes through that is our invitation for this lunar cycle. So lunar cycle is September 25th through October 24th. The first card that comes through is the Queen of Swords. The Queen of Swords. When we get these court cards... It's like we're asked to don a different coat, essentially. We're asked to put on, you know, a different hat and take up a different role than maybe what we've been doing, you know? The Page of Swords does things differently than the Queen of Swords. The Page of Cups does something differently than the King of Pentacles, They each have ways of being. They have different approaches. And so the Queen of Swords, there, nurturing, comes through in the ways that they are able to 
focus and hone their energy and uphold their boundaries. There's nurturing that comes from their clarity. There's nurturing that comes from the way that you know where you stand with that person. The Queen of Swords understands that when they are taking care of themselves, everyone thrives. The garden flourishes when they are able to devote their energy to what really, really matters and what they are there for. It's like the hardest thing. It's so challenging. And so it's a lifelong, let's say, study or a lifelong process of reflecting and trying again and reflecting and trying again. But you know, Libra's kind of symbolic representation is those scales, you know, the scales and the card that corresponds with Libra is justice. And this idea of what is in balance, what is harmonious, is really, really starting with ourselves. It starts with ourselves, right? how we take care of ourselves and how we take care of our energy changes our relationships. It inspires others. It can be a a modeling for others. But all that aside, we know that the world is better as a result of us being able to account for our own energy and tend to it accordingly. Let's just kind of like go through a couple scenarios here. The Queen of Swords say when you're doing business has a certain understanding of their needs, their time and their resources, their energy, and they proceed accordingly (laughs) in business, in their work and in their career. This can be like before getting involved in a collaboration or something like that, taking time to really check in with yourself and say, okay, I really thrive when I am getting a certain amount of sleep. Maybe I need a little bit more time right now. I need extra time than I normally put out my work. Maybe there's certain things that you need from your collaborators and being honest about those things does everyone a favor. Sometimes the queen of swords can seem like a frosty figure, can seem like a figure that is maybe even a little self-focused or just doesn't have a lot of patience or (laughs) doesn't seem like they're all that caring or feeling towards maybe others. But I think where that comes from is that we have a really false narrative in our society around what it means to be caring. Our narratives are built on exploitation of labor and our bodies. It's built on the idea that like, oh, you need to selflessly give all the time. You need to selflessly throw yourself into your relationships and to be extracted from. I'm thinking about just general ways that this plays out that we are over available to people when maybe we really need to, you know, tighten up our boundaries and say, okay, I actually can be present for this conversation, but I can't be present for that one. And that's scary. (laughs) That can be really scary, especially as relational beings, especially as beings who really depend on our social connections. It can be scary to kind of realize like, oh my gosh, maybe I need to spool my energy in a little bit more. What will happen? How will I be relevant or connected to people if I have to do that. But I think the Queen of Swords and their invitation in this cycle is showing us 
that that's a path to sustainability. That's one thing that caring for yourself is a path to sustainability, but also caring for yourself is part of mutual thriving. Everyone literally thrives when we are taking the time to care for ourselves and check in with ourselves and tender energy. It's just part of it. No one can quite do that work for you. It always starts with you. And I'm not saying that you have to take care of yourself entirely. We're always being taken care of by one another. (laughs) That's the nature of living in an interconnected experience. But we can't be inside each other's bodies and know what we need. And so this Queen of Swords asks us to stand in the power of where we are at energetically, what we need, our truth, and to just calmly and assertively state what we need in our relationships and our connections. I acknowledge fully that that is not a simple fix for many of us. (laughs) There's a lot of reasons why we don't. But those reasons in the long term don't really hold up. (laughs) They don't. And the Queen of Swords, they know that as they are holding boundaries for themselves, things will be better in the long run. Things will be better even maybe in the short term. So boundaries are a really, really big part of this lunar cycle. And energetic tending. How is your energy doing? Do you need time and space? Are you feeling really amped up and excited and need to kind of get into something? It doesn't matter what energy is occurring or how the energy is present at this time. Just more so that you're honoring that. (laughs) So, okay. In that invitation, we have very clear ways to embody the Queen of Swords. One is the heart and the voice connection. The heart is honest and is very true. The heart often has a really strong connection to what is most important to us. So how can the voice be a direct conduit, a direct speaker for the heart? What are those things that are really important to you right now or that you feel like you're really needing right now? And how can you actually vocalize them? This is something that you could kind of audit, you could kind of like look through your interactions with people, say the emails that you send, the texts that you send, the conversations you have with folks, even the newsletters you write or the Instagram posts that you make. What are you communicating and how true to your heart is it? There's a lot of energy wasted on trying to kind of soften our words or to try to kind of appeal to people and to get them to kind of see our way of things and things like that. But I'm kind of getting the feeling from this Queen of Swords that a direct approach might be the way forward to just simply say what it is that you need, what it is that you can do, what it is that you can't do, and see how people in your life respond. Notice how they respond. Notice what comes up in you. Notice what comes up in others. You know, obviously you can speak kindly to people and you can be thoughtful, but just 
be clear, you know, like if that thoughtfulness or kindness goes a couple grades too far, (laughs) a couple shades too far, and you're kind of muddying up the water, so to speak, when you're communicating, then that's not going to be so helpful, right? Like people have to understand how serious you are about what you need or about what you're asking or about what you're saying and your intentions. If you are toning that down too much or if you are spending too much time trying to soften that and kind of make it more appealing to the other person on the other side, sometimes you're not really giving them the clear message that they need and that they really need to understand. Like, for example, if you need more time on a project, if you're like, well, maybe like, would you mind? You might be kind of giving the sense that this is a more loose boundary than it is a necessary boundary, a firmer boundary. And the reason why that can be problematic is that you're not giving the other person the information that they need to move forward accordingly. You're not giving them the information that they need to know about you to basically move forward and honor you and where you're at. If you're spending a lot of time kind of in this space of trying to be maybe overly diplomatic or something like that, I would urge you to reconsider how that sets up a pattern of communication and exchange within that relationship that may not actually support your thriving and may not actually support their thriving. If you value those relationships and value having those people to work with and to create with or to, you know, collaborate with or whatever, then consider what you're communicating and how you're communicating it. So the Queen of Swords can sometimes be a very uncomfortable figure for us to step into their archetypal wisdom and and to utilize some of their gifts but they are also someone who I think really shows us what it means to be actually truly kind and truly compassionate. You know, if you think about a rose garden and you think about how if you have all the other plants and other things kind of growing, sometimes it can really choke the roses or keep them from like growing and doing well, basically. And so sometimes you need to prune things, right? You need to have some space, have some clarity, have some boundaries (laughs) to say like, okay, here's this plant, here's this thing. The Queen of Swords utilizes boundaries as a love language. I don't really love love languages, but (laughs) they essentially utilize boundaries as a way of showing that they actually freaking care. (laughs) So this is our invitation. I know I'm spending quite a bit of time outlining this, but I think it's a very nuanced topic and it can be tricky to understand it and also to feel its relevance and how it kind of lands within you and your situation. So I want you to just take a look at those kind of communications and what you're communicating and how you're communicating it. And if the way that you're communicating is actually sending the message that you need to send to others in order for you both to have a caring and honest relationship. Okay. The challenge in this is going to be the chariot. Right away, I feel like the chariot is some of that past summer energy from cancer season. I think some of that past externalizing energy (laughs) that kind of comes through. And I also think that with the chariot, there is a sense of the shell that we present to the world, the shell that we present to the world and how invested we've been in that shell. You know, maybe you have a certain way of presenting yourself online, 
have a certain way of presenting yourself through your art or through your career, whatever it is, through your creative ways. And maybe somewhere along the line, that shell seemed like the way forward in order to, let's say, attain the success that you kind of envisioned. Like, how are you going to get to your vision? You're going to go and do things this way and you're going to kind of bring this certain vibe and yada yada. Sometimes folks don't get into all that. They're fairly free of that stuff. But some of us, and I'm going to include myself in this, some of us, for a variety of reasons, have a tendency to feel like we have to be a certain way. Depending on the spaces that we're in, depending on who we're in connection to, depending on you know, what we're trying to do, we almost feel like we have to kind of split ourselves in a sense. There's the version of self who's on Instagram and does these things and, you know, kind of talks about stuff this way and is yada, yada, yada. I don't know. (laughs) Or like, even when you write emails, sometimes writing emails, it's like, oh, I need to be this person when I'm writing these emails and I want to always present myself in this way when writing. And there's kind of this exoskeleton to it, right? That's not totally you. Some aspects of it are you, right? But that's not your essence. And somehow that exoskeleton, that shell has become kind of where our energy and attention has been focused. And When that shell breaks, you know, you talk about ego death, you talk about egoic shells, things like that. When that stuff breaks down, it's pretty painful. It can feel like, oh my God, what are people going to think of me? Am I going to be rejected? Where's my sense of belonging? It can feel really scary because it seems that your connections and your relationships are formed really in connection to the shell rather than in connection to who you truly are. And I'm talking about this with deep love and deep, deep compassion, if this resonates for you. This shell is traveling sideways, essentially. It's almost like you see the path before you and you see how you could directly address something head on. But instead... When you invest more energy into the shell and into the ways of being that are associated with that shell, then you're actually kind of going on a detour a little bit. You're kind of traveling sideways. And somewhere along the line, we've been taught, we've learned, we've gotten some idea in our heads that this is the way to success is to be that person. But that is our challenge this cycle. Authenticity. Releasing the shell a little bit more. Maybe it's too much to release it all at once. And I can feel you on that deeply. But I also want to encourage you to think about this for a second. That shell is not you. (laughs) That shell was never you. And all the things that are associated with that shell, ideas of success, ideas of what's the next step, what are your goals, how you're supposed to conduct yourself in your collaborations and with your contacts, when you're doing your work, whatever, that stuff is oftentimes someone else's sediment. It's someone else's shit, basically, that has kind of calcified around you as you've been moving through time and space and trying to do your creative work in this society. I think a lot about how very specific ideas about how we're supposed to interact in professional relationships are actually someone else's ideals. How do you actually write that email as you? How do you actually 
conduct that business transaction as you. Not as how your teacher taught you or how you've seen other artists do it or what's quote acceptable in your profession or in your industry. No. How do you do things as you? There's a really clear example of this that I want to share that's from my own personal journey. And I think it can help kind of highlight how this concept can play out. For the longest time when I would apply for grant proposals and grant applications for my artwork, I would always use capitalization and proper grammar. I would always use those things because I was so scared that the panelists, the judges, and the administrative folks who are looking over my application would dismiss my application as a result of me not being, quote, professional or academic. That if I didn't use proper capitalization and punctuation, that I would thereby be dismissed as being maybe less than, as being not educated, da-da-da-da. I was really worried about coming off as someone worthy of investing money into and funding, essentially. And I was worried that my proximity to how academic or how intellectual I sounded or appeared on paper would detrimentally affect my likelihood of getting the grant. And then as I kind of did more writing and did more work, I realize that that is just not authentically who I am at all. (laughs) Not at all. I write all in lowercase for the most part, unless I'm referring to someone who uses capitalization in their names or in a specific place or book or something like that. But for the most part, I express myself in lowercase and that is exactly how I feel comfortable and confident in writing. With that, I started to write all of my applications and all of my quote official documents for my art and my work in lowercase (laughs) and with my own use of punctuation and my own style of grammar. And I have won a couple grants doing that and that was not a problem. (laughs) And so why I bring this up is because... I don't know if people felt more like they could identify with my work or what based off of that switch. But what I do know is that my attempts to be someone else and do something else in the hopes that I would be more relevant and would get funded or get supported, it wasn't true and it wasn't real. And those things don't last. They can never last. And I would like to think that making that switch was part of me being able to even more effectively communicate my vision and my art. And so the chariot as a challenge card invites us to actually move head on towards our goals in our communication to really be clear And to try to take the most direct path and see what that leads to. Let's say instead of direct path, maybe the most authentic path. Whatever shell you think you have to don in order to be relevant to your audience, to your collaborators, to the panelists that read your applications to anyone, whatever you think you have to do in order to be relevant and communicate, I challenge you to try a different way. (laughs) Try a different way. And also ask yourself where that came from, right? Don't take that as the truth. Examine where that shell was formed, whose ideas, what situations have you gone through that 
have contributed to the belief that you need to present yourself or communicate in certain ways that maybe are less true to who you are. And so we come to the final card. And this is the next action step. And this card, it feels complicated. (laughs) I know that's not what you probably want to hear. It feels complicated. I feel that there's an element of the highest self that we can sometimes call upon. And some people do not like that. And I totally get it. Highest feels hierarchical. And well, what is this self? And I think that there is an aspect of our existence that is connected to the most widest scope of our experience. There's some part of ourselves that is connected to love at all times. And love not just as something that feels good, because I think that's just sometimes part of that shell is that we want people to feel good interacting with us, or we want them to associate goodness with us. But we are radically transforming the understanding of what love is when it's coming from authenticity and truth. I want you to imagine when you're giving a tarot reading or something, and I know many people who are listening to this are readers and diviners of spirit and messages from beyond. When we are channeling, we are delivering what is coming through, right? And there's discernment to some extent, right? But usually we are tapping into source. We're tapping into the essence of something that transcends just ourselves, that cues us into the wider web of existence and life. And we are committed to bringing those messages through. We ourselves may not agree with those things. We may not even know what those things are. We may be confounded (laughs) by what comes through. And I even think like this really relates to our creativity. When you're channeling and you're making your art, you don't have control over that shit that comes through you. You don't have control often on what comes through you creatively. And many of us love that about being expressive and makers and creating things and being artists. We love this about the process. Well, I want to consider the ways that we communicate in our relationships. No, we're not per se channeling as we're writing emails to everyone. Sometimes maybe you do. I don't know. Sometimes I do feel like I'm channeling a little bit when I'm writing an email to certain folks or in certain situations. But I want you to consider that the facade of control that you have when you're communicating with people is not entirely true. Yes, you could write that email in a more roundabout way or a way that softens the blow, quote unquote. But ultimately, what gets expressed, what comes through us is not entirely in our control. A lot of it is from insight and connection and in relationship to beings, spirits, ancestors. There's so much that's coming through us and is helping us navigate the terrain of how to be in this existence. What if your email writing, what if your communicating in your day-to-day life was a little bit more like channeling, where you're like, this is what needs to come through. This is what needs to come through me. This is what needs to be shared. 
Yes, it's not pretty. Maybe it's kind of tough, whatever. But this is the most loving way of communicating at this time. This is the season of Venus. This is the season of Libra. This is like the season of beauty and harmony. But what does harmony really look like? What does love really look like? It does not always look like it feels good. You know, it's not always a pot of flowers. A lot of times, it's like the essence of life. It's like the nectar. It's the juice. It's like the raw stuff. It's something so true and so real that you can't help but marvel at it. And I think that our communication can be profound love, can be radically transforming love in the honesty and authenticity that we impart in our interactions as we go through our work. So I think temperance is here to kind of guide this process into the sacred. You may think you need to wear that manager hat, so to speak. And yes, there's a certain aspect to kind of stepping into that role and taking care of business and things like that. But what does business look like when you do it authentically? What does communicating with folks on a day-to-day basis look like authentically as you're doing it? I think energetic drain occurs a lot when we are feeling ourselves split in multiple directions and we feel like we have to be different people at different times. There's so much that's being wasted, so much energy that's being lost in that process. How can we just trust that when we're being real and we're being true to ourselves and our boundaries, that is a form of love. So, (laughs) just to recap, our invitation for this lunar cycle is the Queen of Swords. Our challenge is going to be the Chariot. And our next action is going to be Temperance. So, I've given you kind of a lot and there's some understanding here that you just have these huge cards that came through this cycle. As a community, we have these huge cards that came through. You know, Queen of Swords, Chariot, Temperance. Two of these cards are major arcana cards. And one of them is a court card. So very, very big, profoundly reaching concept that we are being shown here right now, that we're being invited into. It's probably going to be a concept for at least the season. You know, it's a reading for the cycle, but Most of the time when cards of this depth and intensity come through, it's like you have to live them and journey with them to start to feel what they want to share with you and how far you're being asked to kind of grow with these archetypes. When a card like Temperance arrives, it's like you get to grow with the support of Temperance. And temperance wants you to add to its canon of work. Temperance is being built by all of us this cycle. We are building what it means to be the queen of swords. We are embodying what it means to face the chariot and its complicated aspects. We are contributing to this body of work by living it and working with it and kind of addressing it in our individual lives and in our communities. And I encourage you to feel that support system, to feel that you're a part of a process that's not just about whether or not you have done the right thing, whether or not you've been the queen of swords or whether or not you're accessing the temperance card. No, 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 no. You're a part of a transformational process 
just like we talked about at the very beginning of this reading about this downshift from the seasons, the downshift of energy from summer into fall, and that all creatures, all beings are kind of supporting that process, are a part of that process, right? Like we are all a part of this process of kind of accessing the Queen of Swords and understanding their wisdom and their radical ways of expressing love through boundaries. Every moment that you step in to that energy and that archetype, you're contributing to this shift for others and others are doing the same for you. So feeling into our art witch community and feeling the tarot not as something that is an object that's placed on your doorstep that's like, well, you got the queen of swords, like good luck, jerk. <laughs> you know, <laughs> like <laughs> Not as an object that's placed, but as an energy that you are living with and that you are embodying and that you are experimenting with and you are fleshing out. You are saying, no, this is the queen of swords, Zanetta. No, this is temperance. And that those nuances, those like specific ways that you start to begin to live with these archetypes and understand them, that starts to contribute to our collective growth and understanding. So I hope you all have an amazing lunar cycle. I hope that wherever you're at, that you feel so supported, that you feel connected and inspired. And I hope that this reading becomes something that is more yours than just something that just arrives on your doorstep but it is part of your process and that you feel part of that process of contributing and growing what it means to what the tarot actually means. As a gentle reminder, creative liberation readings will open up this week. So please see the link down below if you would like a reading for your artwork specifically and your creative journey. And there will be an interview coming up with a very, very exciting guest. I'm super, super excited to share that interview. But until then, have a beautiful, beautiful lunar cycle and take care. If you enjoyed today's episode of Art Witch, please consider subscribing or writing a review. Each and every little bit helps spread the word to more and more people.